Welcome to Grace Valley Church. Pastor Steve here. Glad to be with you. And today we're going to talk about betrayal uh, because I think we've all had experiences of feeling betrayed. And then we need to ask the question, well, how does a Christian act when they feel they've been betrayed? And or what does a disciple do, you know, when you've been wounded by unfaithfulness? Um, sometimes, you know, it's been with a friend, some action, something said, maybe the friend just dropped you. Sometimes maybe it's a colleague it's, or, or it's a family member uh, treated you maybe in an unloving way and you thought it would be different because they're, hey, they're family. Why aren't they sticking with me? Maybe it's just an outright violation of trust. Uh, you know, a covenant, an affair, you had some agreement. Uh, maybe it's something with your friends or a friend, you know, something, something you felt that was just implied in being a friend and they didn't, they didn't respond in kind or they didn't do it. Maybe it's a, an event uh, that took place and you didn't feel like it was even handled fairly. Sometimes betrayal just feels like there wasn't a sense of fairness through all this, uh, that you got a chance on your side or uh, the process wasn't done fair, or maybe you were generalized by people. Um, Paul says in Second Timothy, chapter four, uh, speaking about um, imprisonment and accusations, he said, "No one stood with me, but all forsook me." So the, the contingent that he was with, all the friends he constantly names, he said, "At that point, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. But the Lord stood with me, of course, and strengthened me." Uh, betrayals it is huge uh you know the the sense of that it can include shock we're just shocked that it happened we, we usually experience some type of loss in our life uh whatever that could be there's grief there's sometimes there's just a constant preoccupation with what happened we replay it over and over and over again right and it's um it damages our self-esteem uh, we, anger comes into play, right? If you don't, if you feel like you haven't somehow processed it right or, or done it, it just, it affects, you realize the way you treat people around you. There's this built up, pent up bitterness, anger, hurt shows itself in different ways. Um, psychologists say that, you know, it's a form of an emotional abuse, sometimes betrayal, right? Um, and it causes all kinds of post-traumatic stress we can say that you're just not yourself you have these flashbacks of what took place nightmares i've heard this from people you know it affects their sleep they fall into depression there's anxiety there's distrust um, all these things are common uh, and it's not something usually that can happen in a day or so deep especially deep deep senses of of trauma that take place because of um, betrayal it can take months years really Psychologists say this really to really work through to get the kind of help and support and work through certain forms of betrayal. Uh, I, I've met people who have, you know, remember meeting a former pastor and he, you know, felt so betrayed. Just a, just a sense of fairness, really. And um, he was dealing with it years later. I'm talking like years and years. I don't think he had, you know, there was just a bitterness when he retold it. That I even thought, and I was a young, younger pastor at the time, I thought, I felt bad for him, you know, that he hadn't processed it in the right way. But before we point the finger, we've got to make sure that we've all processing it the right way. Um, and it's, it's, here's what Jesus says even about his impending betrayal. He even says the word betrayal. I mean, that's a word, 
really that's full of emotion. Matthew 26, Jesus confirms, you know, the identity of Judas here, his betrayer, betrayer. And then he says, the son of man goes, even as it is written of him, but woe to that man through whom the son of man is betrayed. I mean, to me, that's an emotional response. Woe is, you know, so that's loss. I believe that was loss for grief for Jesus. That was grief for Jesus. I think he felt it. So don't ever think for a moment that Jesus can't identify with loss and betrayal. Well, here's what Romans says. Uh, and we could apply betrayal to this to this text easily because, you know, Paul is, is making general statements, but obviously it with some type of, he's, he's giving the Christian response to, inf, you know, unjust infliction on someone, okay? It says here in Romans chapter 12, 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Ah, people are watching. Christians are watching. Non-Christians are watching how you respond to evil done against you. It is, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to repay. It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heat burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So just reading a passage like that, you know, for Christians reminds us, hey, we're in, we're in a, a, a loss-filled, broken world. It, he's, he's talking to Christians. So Christians are not shielded from this. We are not shielded from loss, from grief, from dis, you know, disloyalty um, and mistreatment. And if you, if it hasn't happened to you, it's like the great quote out of Shawshank Redemption, you know, Andy Dufresne first meeting red, red saying, you know, you're not going to use this, this little rock hammer on anyone. He says, no, sir, I've got no enemies here. And red says, no, wait a while. Uh, that's life, right? Just wait a while. These things happen to all of us. So what's our response to betrayal if we are eventually going to heal? What is the process? Well, here's the process. Process number one. Seek peace first. Your first step is to try and get peace. Peace with the person. As far as it depends on you, you're to live at peace with all, all people. Verse 17. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And the way you go about that is you don't repay anyone evil for evil. You will not find peace if your intent says, they harm me, I will get back and I will harm them. And that's always our first response, right? I'm going to smear the reputation. You know, I'm going to create a caricature of them. It's easy to knock down, which is kind of, you know, not really an accurate description, just kind of a bigger, kind of a cartoonish type character of them. And there I can knock it down, right? And, uh, you know, I'm going to impugn motives to them. I'm going to, I'm going to just make them out to be just bad characters in general with very little redeeming qualities. Okay. That's the world's tactic. That's not the Christian tactic. It's our first response, right? Or could you be revenge in some other way, financial revenge or, or something else? But he says here, you know, do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right 
in the eyes of everyone. People are watching. Do the right thing. Here's your chance, right? God on display, my faith on display. And that happens when you, you, you know, it usually is most betrayals are somewhat, they're not private, are they? There's people involved. So those people who are involved or know about it, they are watching your response. So be careful. Your response is not to repay. It's to seek peace as far as it depends on you. Um, now, it doesn't say how to do that necessarily. Of course, part of that seeking peace is just you're not going to get peace by elevating the conflict by returning either like for like. I mean, they did this. I'll do the same thing back or responding in a way that's not right. We would say not what God wants, not biblical to use a Christian word. And anything that's not biblical is evil. I don't care what you say. Oh no, it's not. Well, it's not evil. It was the wrong thing to do. Well, the wrong thing to do is evil. It's not right. Like don't mince it. No, it was unkind. It was evil behavior. Unkindness is evil. Who's unkind? The devil is unkind. A lot of other things, but it's its origin is evil. Its origin is depraved. Its origin is fallen. We got to get, you know, I like what what uh, Agatha Christie says in one of her books. Miss Marple, I think, says it. You know, there's a lot of human nature, and just goes to show you that there's a lot of human nature in all of us. <laughs> she was talking about <laughs> the response of a character which wasn't a good response. Oh, there's a lot of human nature. That's human nature, right? It's fallen. Our first response is, I will get revenge. I will repay it. But don't do it. Seek for, you know, seek peace. How do we get peace? How do we look for peace? Listen, the first thing, if you're going to be able to do this and not repay evil to evil, but rather be at peace at first, is I wouldn't, I would tell you, it doesn't say, but here's what the rest of the scripture says about things like this when they happen to us. First of all, it says that we're to bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. That's Galatians 6.2, which means if you've got a burden, you ought to be in deep enough community where you can invite someone into the well with you. Okay, that's a phrase I borrowed from Cloud and Townshend. I've used that. In fact, I just helped a friend with that um, for a year and he had he had was going through a rough time he didn't want to respond the wrong way, but his emotions were raw for months. It took longer than I thought, but it was probably the right amount. And I was in the well with him. He was down. When you've been betrayed, you are in a well. You feel alone. You feel isolated. You feel forsaken. You feel, you know, self-doubt, self-confidence is gone. You feel a loss. And you need to be able to have someone you can call and say, listen, I just need you in the well with me. I need to be able to call you. I need to be able to talk through these things. You're not gossiping, but you know, you're retell you're here's what happened, here's how I feel, here's and just have that person in patience listen. Okay, so you need to get support. Okay, God says we need to bear you can, you don't bear burdens alone. You're to bear one another's burdens. You're to help lift it, right? It's part of the process. Okay. Um secondly, you need to go. Uh, you know, Jesus talked a lot about peacemakers, right? In fact, he said, Sermon on the Mount, blessed, blessed are the peacemakers. Jesus loved people who, who went out and made peace. Now, peace is something that you make. Um, it's, you know, uh, I'm not sure who said it, but a peacemaker is different than a peacekeeper. Peacekeepers, they just, well, I'm not going to, I'm just going to keep the peace at all costs. You know, we don't say anything and we move on and, and we, 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 at least we don't do anything 
publicly. We're just going to keep the peace. That doesn't work. You know, peacemaking is always a process and usually it involves going and suing for peace, trying to find peace. And it's messy. And that's why a lot of people talk about a tunnel of chaos when you have to confront someone about what's happened. You have to go through this tunnel of chaos. It's not, again, it's the, the parties are somewhat warring at first and you've got to get through that in, in an understanding and the wrongs that have been done and, and to both listen carefully. And then on the end of that, through that tunnel of chaos, you, you arrive at this area of you're seeking peace, right? You're trying to live at peace uh, over what's happened. There's what Jesus says in 18, right? If your brother sins against you, if your sister sins against you, go and show them their fault just between the two of you. They don't listen. Take someone else. They don't listen to that, to even with someone else there. The wrong that's been done, take it to some type of leadership context jesus was talking about the church take it to church leadership someone who has a little bit more authority who can really kind of say hey come on we need to wake up here talking christian community if he doesn't then you then the relationship you've done your best you can the only leverage you have now is to like severage i'm walking away from this if you won't listen i I don't want it to be this way i'm coming to you i'm trying to find peace so that's why you've got to go if you're going to find peace you've got to go okay um and you don't go with angry words. You don't go saying things like, you know, you're not really important right now. My recovery from this is more important than you. I'm going to, or I, you know, I'm going to seek a true friend who's not like you or, or thank you for teaching me what not to accept in life. All these things you'll find, all kinds of this weird advice out there. None of that works. It doesn't create peace. Okay. Um, you know, you go... You go with words of understanding. You can express your hurt. I felt this. Felt like I didn't get a, you know, you're trying to get, you know, an audience, a sense of, of, of fairness. And if they won't, there's not, sometimes they won't. There's nothing you can do about it, right? Some don't, I don't, I don't want your side of, you know, again, it could be something at work. I don't want your side of the story. I'm not interested in what you have to say. Um, and, and therefore you have to live with it. It could be a relationship and they're not interested in meeting. They're not interested in discussing the deep sense of betrayal. They've already ended it. They've ended it with the betrayal. But a lot of, lot, oftentimes people eventually are ready to, uh, you know, to at least hear you out. And that's your best chance of reconciling or Jesus wouldn't say it. I think what Jesus says to not do, he says, don't do this. It doesn't work. So evil for evil doesn't work. It won't heal you. It won't restore anything. Very little, can, you know, no, they can't give you back usually what they've taken from you. You're trying to find some healing, right? And Jesus said the, the, the worst, worst thing you can do is to try and repay it. Even repaying evil by shunning. Shunning is evil or ignoring is evil or, you know, ruining their reputation is evil. You want to you avoid all that. And instead, you want to sue for peace. You want to seek peace. You want to find it. So that's step one. Step two, right? Verse 19, don't take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to revenge. I will repay, says the Lord. So what's step two? Simply that. You leave room for God's vengeance and fairness. Now, you might say, well, wow, letting God take revenge, that sounds harsh. You know what? That's Christian? Letting God take revenge doesn't sound like Christian forgiveness. Listen, it's in the Bible. 
deep wounds, listen, I think deep wounds need this mindset. When, when we've really been hurt, we want to feel like there's a sense of fairness in the world, that there's that these things aren't random or that there's a God who's impassive and doesn't care and says, oh, no, buck up, just deal with it, you know, or you deserve most of it or whatever it is. Like God understands maybe, and you, you know, you're usually something to some of this stuff, sometimes absolutely nothing, the wounds that have been done to us. But God's not passive and he does see wrong. And here we've got a thing that, you know, you can either fight it out yourself and get nowhere. And and it's almost like God says, you either can let me handle it eventually in my fairness, because I see it and I will bring justice, or you can do it. Make your choice. I'd let God do it. I've seen this work again and again. Listen, I have I have seen God eventually bring fairness and justice and truth. Time and truth go hand in hand, always. I mean, it's just the way God's... On the flip side for us, that's the scary part, right? So we need to repent because our misdeeds come to truth eventually. But rightness and fairness and injustice usually... It comes to light in the world. You, you've seen this again and again. So God has, a, has an ability to repay on his timing and at the right proportion. We are improportionate when, we come, when it comes to revenge, right? We want to go, someone told me, you know, Israel's whole thing against their enemies was, you know, if you hit us, we're going to hit you seven times as hard. God doesn't respond that way. We would, right? We're going to crush, wipe out, cancel, eradicate, mischaracterize them. And hopefully they're done for life. And that's rarely fair. So God says, you leave room for me. And that that helps in the healing process to know that there's a God who sees, a God who knows, and a God who's going to be at work in your, on your behalf. And you're not wishing for your enemies to, to fail and fall. And say, I can't wait for God to deal with them. But you just know God has a way of bringing order to all things. Um, and so you've got to rest in that. And I think that's why, I think that's why Paul says it because he realizes when evil has been done against us, we want to sense that there's a judge who doesn't just ignore it and turn a blonde, blind eye, because then I think it's even more damaging on the human psyche. So you leave room for God's vengeance and justice. You kind of, you leave it to God, right? And then finally, Paul goes on and says on verse 20, he says, on the contrary, rather than evil for evil. Um, on the contrary, here's what you do. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Uh, what's he basically talking about? He's talking about an action, and it's an action that leads to forgiveness. So I would say, just to repeat again what we said, get, get some support, right? You want peace, you, want, you, you don't want to respond in kind to the betrayal. You want to seek peace, get support, and then you've got to go. Because Jesus says, if someone harms, damages, sins against you, you're to go. You're to go and point it out. You want healing. And a lot of times you need that, I am sorry. I, 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 I saw it a couple weeks ago, the healing effect on someone when... Someone was wounded by the words of someone else. And that person said, 
in sincerity, I am sorry, will you forgive me? And it was a huge moment. You need that. You've, you've got to try and sue for that and go for it. And I've seen that work. I've seen, I've, I, an old pastor said that 99% of the time he sees that work. You don't even have to elevate it by bringing someone else. It usually works. Sometimes you have to maybe get, but usually it works. So God says, go, you want peace in your life. You've got to go. So seek peace. Don't respond in kind. And then leave room for God's vengeance, right? That's kind of in your mindset. It's like, you know, when you're, when you're trying, to, trying to do this, you realize that God has a way to make things right. And then you want to be able to forgive them. And I think forgiveness is more than just a once done deed. I think it does take time. It's a process. All of us who have been deeply wounded know, like we felt we forgive them, we forgave them. And then the flashbacks come over the event and the anger and the feeling of just the sense of loss or we've been let let down in such a, 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 an grievous way. And what Paul says to do here is, you know, if, if, that, if that forgiveness is going to have any effect of letting go and getting rid of the bitterness and getting rid of the, all the other stuff you're trying to prop yourself up with, you have to start acting towards them in good ways. Okay. It doesn't say forgive in there, right? Just says if your enemy's hungry, feed him, thirsty, give him something to drink. And in doing this, you will heat burning coals on his head. You can look up the commentaries. We're not sure exactly what that means, but it means it's going to have an effect. It's going to have a real awakening effect. That's the good news. Um, but listen, if someone that you knew had been deeply injured and you watched them in kindness respond to their enemy in actions like this, what conclusion would you come to regarding that person? You'd come to the conclusion that they have forgiven them, that they have released them, that they're acting now in a different manner towards them. So deep wounds, let me repeat again, deep wounds require a process for genuine forgiveness to take place, okay? So and it's this old phrase that I learned long ago. It's easier to act, to act yourself into a feeling than to feel yourself into an action. It's easier to act yourself into feeling like you've forgiven them. You have to act that way towards them rather than just waiting to feel it before you do that. A lot of people think, well, when I start feeling better towards them all, all it will, you'll be waiting a long time. Despite the fact that you're angry, you don't really care about them, you're upset, God says, here in the text, Jesus says, he says the same thing, right? It's bless those who persecute you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. Go the extra mile for those who, have, who demand things from you that are unjust and unfair. Go the extra mile with them, right? Someone wants your cloak, give them. That's Jesus. You have to act yourself into forgiveness with people rather than feel yourself eventually into the action by all kinds of silly mantras and let it go and release that too. And all this garbage that I hear more and more, right? From secular psychologists. It's like, none of that works. You've got to have the good in there. Start doing the good. And that's hard. Usually it's just, you've got to start at least with prayer. You begin to pray for them. And that may just look like something like this. And I, I've had to do this in my life. Um, and I'll just make up a name here. I've, I've had to even just start. All I could get out, and I've heard this from others too. All I could get out at first was, Lord, I pray for Chad. Amen. There's no Chad in my life, so it's never. that's not at the name. Lord, I pray for Chad. That's all I could muster. And that was it. 
or maybe it's even just the name. It's all you can escape out of your mouth. You start there. But I will tell you, it gets easier. You know, that move towards the good, adding the good overcomes the bad. That's what he says, right? You, you don't, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with the good. So you add the good. You don't just try not to do evil. It won't work long-term. Got to start adding the good. So as I pray for Chad, and then Lord, I pray that you'll help Chad, maybe is the next thing I can pray down the, down, the, down the road. So I'm trying, and then maybe there's some way I can act towards Chad that's loving or kind or favorable, and, and on it goes. And that's, that's what he's saying here. Um, that's the way you'll ultimately get that release where you can finally just, you know, I'm forgiven. I'm sure I'm going to be thinking about it, but it doesn't control me anymore. You know, if I, if I feel like they're on their end, they're still somewhat unrepentant about the whole thing. There is a just God who sees it and who ultimately brings everything to fairness, everything to justice. That's just what justice means, right? Is a sense of fairness, what's right and wrong and fair for everyone included, right? What's what's fair for them, what's fair for us, okay? So replace the good. That's, that's what you need to do. Um, and at the end of the story, you know, if all things have been taken from you, that's that's part of the good. It's it's our faith. You know, I thought about this the other day. I'll, I'll end with this as far as, you know, him saying add the good, which is all these things. Adding the good is, you know, letting it all go as far as not repaying evil for evil, but seeking peace and leaving God the room for God's vengeance and acting yourself into, into forgiveness. Um, but, you know, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, he says, at the end of all things, these the three these three things remain: faith, hope, and love. Listen, after after all the loss that we experience, sometimes all the life change, sometimes all the some people who have really been betrayed, right, by by someone or people. I mean, there's such a life change for them. Um, after all that loss, these three things remain. These three things remain: faith, right. Faith in a God I know who loves me and will help heal me. I have faith in a God who's still engaged, who loves me, who's going to heal, who's going to help in healing me. I have hope. Hope remains. What's my hope? A belief that hey, the future still holds good things, faithful friendships, good things from the hand of God. Faith remains. My hope remains, and love remains. Right, a God who loves me, and who actually demonstrated that love for me by allowing the betrayal of his own son, right? That it was visited upon him that despite everything else that happened in my life, and in fact, my own betrayal of God at times, I can experience eternal, faithful love towards me because of what God has done through Christ on the cross and my leaning into him. So I hope that helps many out there who have had, um, who have just been overwhelmed by people who have vastly let them down and disappointed them to a big degree. And I hope that you'll take the time to work this out, uh, go back and listen to this and find the step that God really wants you to take. Okay. Great to be with everyone again. And I can't wait to see you all next week.